music that's playing us in. I think that's how these, these things typically are. Minstrels. Have been minstrel. <laughs> the minstrels have minstrel. And here we are, uh, episode lucky episode thirteen of the Video Reformation podcast. I'm Ben Oliver, Justin Plant. We are the co-founders of Storyboard Media, and we are the hosts on your existential guide through whether video does anything for your company or not. Today we're going to be on. Let me see, phase six. Of our seven phases yeah. of practicing getting, effective video for business. close to the end here. We talked about, uh, as, as I'm sure our 13 regular listeners know, there are seven phases. So if this is phase six, then our next episode will be our final phase. And then we'll have to figure out what the rest of our episodes look and sound like. Today we're going to be talking about promotion. Um, we talked about distribution in our last episode. I think it makes sense to talk a little bit about the, the blurred lines between distribution and promotion again for anyone who hasn't listened to that episode. But you know, before we get into all that, I think it's important to welcome, uh, this week we have a new, new sponsor. sponsor. Yeah. All right, let's see, this one is hot off the presses. Wilford Brimley's Mustache Wax for that full-bodied elderly walrus stash. Simultaneously thickens your mustache to push broom consistency dyes it an irreversible snow-white color, regardless of your natural hair color, and instantly grows your whiskers just long enough to cover both your upper and lower lips, even while talking. Wolford Brimley's Mustache Wax. Pick up a tin or ten at your favorite mustachery today. This product has not been approved or tested by the FDA. However, early reported side effects include constant smells of oatmeal, even when no oatmeal is around, curing diabetes, early onset diabetes by listening to this advertisement you hereby waive any and all right to legal recourse for any side effects experienced while using wolford brimley's mustache wax i need to say that in the beginning i think no i don't know i think the, the <clears throat> that's the, the point it, it goes at the end the, the disclaimer goes at the end okay see now we have to start over because we're not allowed to do these interrupted <laughs> oh, sponsor well, pieces right i thought we were but we're supposed to engage on this sort of is there the, more we are but i've got to read all the copy oh there's a, okay I mean, we are required by law to read, so yeah. let's try this again. Wilford Brimley's Mustache Wax. For that full-bodied elderly walrus stash. Simultaneously thickens your mustache to push broom consistency, dyes it an irreversible snow-white color regardless of your natural hair color, and instantly grows your whiskers just long enough to cover your upper and lower lips, even while talking. Wilford Brimley's Mustache Wax. Pick up a tin or ten at your favorite mustachery today. There is now a legal disclaimer. Got it. This product has not been approved or tested by the FDA. However, early reported side effects include constant smells of oatmeal, even when no oatmeal is present, curing diabetes, or early onset diabetes. By listening to this advertisement, you hereby waive any and all right to legal recourse for any side effects experienced while using Wolford Brimley's Mustache Wax. Wolford Brimley's Mustache Wax. Be more curmudgeonly. I... So one of my favorite parts about <clears throat> their mustache, as you know, they can't see, but I've got a big beard. Yeah. Um, it actually moved all of my- Could you rub it up against your microphone just so people can kind of like it? Oh yeah. Can we tag this episode ASMR now? <laughs> beard related ASMR. Um, so yes, your beard. Yeah, well, when when I when I was trying this out, <clears throat> moved all of my beard hair to my mustache. Yeah, I know that was the cool part, right? Well, and and um, it, you're right; it does go pretty pure white. Yeah, almost actually is technically I think it's like a polar bear fur. It's clear, mm -hmm. 
uh, but looks white to the yeah. eye. And so uh, if you get it dirty, like the dirt really shows. Exactly, which yeah. is great because it covers your mouth. Yeah. So you're eating a peanut butter and jelly, you'll know if mm -hmm. there's some on your mustache. Yeah. Now you can't undye it. That's the thing. Like you tried to put, um, uh, what's the uh, what's the stuff you put in your, your your beard and mustache to get rid of the salt and pepper? Just for men. Mm. I think you followed it up with the just for men because you're like, oh my god, it's like polar bear white, and and it just like it's it's like Teflon. It just yes. doesn't let that yeah. dye get in there, but it does get dirty, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How are you with the constant smells of oatmeal? Um, I didn't notice it. Oh, okay. Didn't have I think you just get used to it after a while? Sure. Probably. Uh, you have been more curmudgeonly lately. Okay, good. So that's yeah, that's that that's a key part. But um, yeah, so welcome to our new sponsor, Wilford Brimley's Mustache Wax. Is Wilford Brimley alive or dead? I'm looking that up right now. I think he may be dead. Wilford of course, Brimley. if if he's alive, then. I apologize. He is, is alive. He is yeah. alive. He's 84. Yeah, well, he's got to cash in all these uh, residuals checks from lending his name to Wilfred Brimley's mustache wax. I think what they've what what is nice about these later episodes now is um, we've really been able to track the demographics of our active audience. And so we're starting to attract those advertisers and sponsors that like really know that we're going after the like elderly mustachioed set. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, very yeah. valuable. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay, so we we wanted to revisit that that very very gray line between promotion and distribution. Yeah. So in in our discussion last time, I believe I set the definition as distribution is putting your video or videos out there so that they can be found, whereas promotion is directing certain people to your video mm -hmm. or videos. Like targeting, being able to. Yeah, and so and so. I mean, it's it's as simple as. It doesn't matter if it's paid or not. Exactly. I mean, it could be it could be segmenting your email list, sure. and and having certain customers or certain types of prospects be sent certain video content in that email. It could be utilizing hashtags and social posts uh, from an unpaid standpoint. That's just definitely to get one people of those. Who follow those. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, of course, a lot of our discussion today will be about, you know, kind of paid campaigns. And um, I think it's important to not get too in the weeds of a lot of the details of paid promotion campaigns for a couple reasons. Mm -hmm. One is it's constantly changing. And so we will, you know, for lack of any more experience, we'll just use like the kind of layman's terms for some of these things like pre-roll ad. Yeah. I don't even know as of today what YouTube calls a pre-roll ad because I feel like every two and a half months they yeah. change the name of, of what all this stuff is. And uh, it's also detailed enough that I think we've got future episodes where we can get into yeah, specific targeting tactics for specific channels. But today we want to keep it kind of high level, um, talk about almost the theory of promotion. Um, and I think a lot of our discussion is going to revolve around, and, and for people who haven't listened to any of the, the last four or five episodes. This is not necessarily about using video to promote your product or service. When we say promotion, we're talking about promoting your video content. That part of the video practice. Yes, because it's not enough just to put something out there and assume that people will find it. Mm -hmm. Just because you put something on YouTube doesn't mean that people will actually find it. We discussed optimization 
in our last episode, right. right? How to help people find it. But, and I think that's one of the things that we learned early on too, is that we would, we would give these individual video deliverables to our clients. They'd put it up on YouTube. They wouldn't optimize it at all. And then they'd wonder why six months later they only had 27 views. Mm -hmm. Well, part of it is because they just thought that, oh, YouTube has a lot of traffic people will find. Yeah. But the flip side to all the YouTube stats that you always see is how much content is constantly being uploaded. Right. Certainly it's widely used, but it's there's so much noise that you really have to bring in this promotion avenue to get peop the appropriate people mm -hmm. to see your video content. And also that, you know, like this goes back to creative, but that's why we don't speak in generalities. It's, you need to be very specific about what your, your, your message is and what their, that intention is, because there are, what, how, how many uploaded, how many hours of video are uploaded each day? At least nine <laughs> million. I don't know, there's like, I don't know, you're looking it up, so I yeah. could just make something up right now and we could totally pull that off or you could actually tell us. One billion, three hundred million, oh, sorry. <laughs> That's a number. <laughs> but here's the, okay. Is uh, it the number we were looking for? No, there are 300 hours of video uploaded to YouTube every minute. Jesus. 300 hours, almost five billion videos are watched every single day on YouTube. Yeah, so like what are the odds that your little like testimonial video for your local business or startup or whatever are just gonna be stumbled upon right by someone especially if the file name is final cut version two right yes so something that we started doing gosh i feel like almost two years ago now is for our clients which for any new listeners we primarily work with b2b companies but a lot of this does um, apply to B2C companies too. But I think when we talk about specific targeting, we'll be using more B2B examples. Um, but you know, we don't, when we're making- Video. A video. I, yeah, when we're making a video for a client, we don't just deliver a video. We actually turn that into its own campaign. So for every, we call that a video, like an anchor video, right? So there's a, a primary piece of video content that's being made. And um, we will, you know, create that, we'll deliver that, but we will also create promotional content that's specifically designed to drive people to usually the landing pages where then that content is being held. So um, sometimes those are just like little 15 to 30 second snippets from inside of that video. Sometimes it makes sense to actually script out certain promotional um, videos themselves mm -hmm. and, and capture that in the production process and, and edit those as additional deliverables. But we do that so that our <coughs> clients can get the most eyes on the video we want them to make. And so if you can make a, if you can make a, a teaser kind of, you know, whether it's, I mean, we've done some, uh, we've done some presentations, for example, at events, mm -hmm. um, or like Ted type talks where some of the promos we make, we deliberately look for those moments where there's a question and then we end the teaser. It's a true teaser because we end the teaser right after the question has been posed, but we don't share the answer. Mm -hmm. So are we better off after moving to company XYZ? End Call the promo, the watch the full video, mm -hmm. right? Um, so that is like a true teaser, but that's just a subset of the content that was made. And that, that may be one version of that teaser. Exactly. Because of the call to action, right? Yep. Call to actions 
are can be very platform dependent. Like if it's click here or go to this, like you want to make it as convenient for that person as possible, but not, not every platform is going to allow you to, to click the link in the profile or whatever. Right. So um, having just as simple as different versions with calls to action can be very helpful. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you know, for, for us, just for context, you know, we're coming in this discussion, we're coming from a place of creating that anchor content, but also knowing that you're going to create promotional pieces. And usually, you know, two to three pieces are usually enough to give yourself or your client some options, um, again, to either run paid or non-paid promotional campaigns. But, you know, especially if it's longer form content, mm -hmm. throw the 15 second teaser out there, get people, you know, make it a, you know, choose a compelling part of it, make a compelling call to action. And then you get people to go to the, you know, to watch the full content. Or, you know, give, like lots of times we'll give two, three, cut downs like you're saying little teasers or whatever and that's just a great way to test like which one works and then you end that's up a, using yeah. you put you dump a lot more money into the one that works good point what's the first thing to consider in when you're creating your promotional strategy here well i mean if you look at the de the definition of promotion it's about targeting specific people mm -hmm. it's, it's getting specific people to see your video so it's really about who are those people um, a lot of that goes into uh, the parameters that you're uh, that you're selecting when you're running your your paid promotional mm -hmm. campaigns. So, for instance, if you're a flower shop, mm -hmm. demographics a might B2B be flower shop. <laughs> well, I bet that exists. I'm sure it does. But if if you're a local flower shop on Ninth Street, um, you're you're probably doing more demographic, probably some behavioral, but like you've got you're going to set a geo boundary. Mm -hmm. Yep, you're gonna set zip codes or an area code yep. or or something you're gonna set, you know. But but you don't have to make those things up when you're, the main point here is you don't have to make those things up when you're going to uh, launch your promotion because this is where, you know, it's all on this foundation of strategy. Mm -hmm. We've made this specific video content to speak to a specific audience. Mm -hmm. And we've defined we've that made, audience. And, and we've defined that audience or we've made multiple videos that, that are slightly different because they speak to slightly different audiences in their own way. So you want to then just take that persona information that you've gotten that you've already defined in your strategy. And that's where you're almost just like plugging in the blanks when, when you're doing that. So some of it might be that I know that even if you have like named personas, if our Alicia persona follows the hashtags, you know, mm -hmm. flowers, flowers near me and creative flower ideas, creative floral ideas, something like that. Well, that may be a great hashtag to post the promotional content, hashtag it with those kinds of things. And that's an unpaid campaign mm -hmm. right there. Mm -hmm. That then is that promo content that's driving people to then your larger video that's on the landing page that then has you know your specials or the order or whatever mm -hmm. on that same landing page. Um, or if you're doing a paid campaign, you can select those geographical areas. You can, when you get into retargeting, you can even get to people who've been on the site before, people who've bought from us before, who've bought from or been to a competitor site. Yep. Yeah, I think that's one of the most intriguing things about YouTube mm -hmm. uh, is that, and again, I always forget what they're actually calling it on any given day, but those pre-roll ads, mm -hmm. uh, even even the display ads that are just like the thumbnail that's on next right to a video that plays, mm -hmm. um, you can target specific videos and specific competitors' channels mm -hmm. so that your ads play 
before your competitors videos play mm -hmm. so if you've got i mean if you if you want to create content for example and this gets a little bit outside of the scope of this conversation if you wanted to create some specific youtube pre-roll ads why not make the content about the differentiator between you and your competitor have that be a pre-roll ad before knowing that you're going to target it to your competitors mm -hmm. videos um, that's a great way to spend five or 30 seconds or 15 seconds saying use so-and-so here's how we're better check us out mm -hmm. um, knowing that so so you know and i think that's something that we discussed in in the strategy conversation too is it, it's there's sometimes there's a chicken and egg angle to some of this stuff yes. you have to make certain decisions you have to make as many decisions as you can early on in your strategizing but it doesn't mean that as you go along you could come up with a great creative idea or new opportunity or something like that and then go back and, and tweak your strategy. Right. A strategy isn't something, I'm gonna blow it, but there's a, there's a quote from Eisenhower that I've seen recently that's, that's basically along the lines of, uh, plans are useless, but planning is indispensable, or something like that. So like, you know, having plans, you so rarely get to follow them because things come up. I'll, I'll, I'll send a quote your way. Uh, Mike Tyson, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Sure, exactly, right? So you can plan all you want, but it's actually the process of planning that helps you better prepare for that punch to the face. Right. Right? It's not unexpected to sign up for a free yeah, trial. Yeah, I mean, if it's a, if, yes, it could be that, like if it's further down the funnel, maybe a longer video, and therefore you're trying to get them to see the whole demo or something, but. Right. So the first thing to consider is who we're targeting. And then I think one of the other things that we, that we learn is, where those people consume content mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. talk talk a little bit about that. Um, so that can be a couple things, um, but but mainly it's what platforms are they on? You know, where is where where are those people, and how can you get your content in front of them? Um, if that's if that's you know people cord cutters and they're really they're a lot younger, they don't have cable, then um, running TV commercial isn't really the best place to be running your ad. There's platforms, and then there's also devices. Is kind of like it, it comes yeah. into it comes into play when capitalizing on someone's intent. Mm -hmm. You know, like if if they're on their phone, like because it's like oh shit, Mother's Day is tomorrow. Um, their intent is to buy flowers quickly. Mm -hmm. They're more than likely they're not going to go surfing for a long time and go to their uh, desktop. They're going to get on their phone and order the flowers immediately. Yeah. So being able to understand. A viewer's intent um, and so you may not have something that the same ad running on uh, a Hulu um, pre-roll type thing mm -hmm. um, just kind of knowing where your audience is and what they're doing when they're thinking about you or the, the solution that you provide can be helpful yeah well and I think that I think that's a part of of your persona development too um, you know everybody tends to everybody tends to use themselves as an example i think and so if you tend to watch a lot of video on your mobile device you know a lot of those are b2c type things because we're typically more you know consumers you know b2c consumers in our everyday life mm -hmm. than b2b consumers but uh i don't know the exact stat but um i think the last i saw was that 88 percent it was either 82 or 88% of B2B video content is viewed on desktop. Mm 
Sure. And and so and so while yes, you want to be um, aware of what people's intent and what devices, but also what platforms. I mean, if you're a B two B marketer and a lot of your audience is on LinkedIn, then you may want to put more resources into your LinkedIn promotions than into your TikTok mm-hmm. promotion, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I don't know how many um, C-suite people are on TikTok mm-hmm. these days, um, unless they're checking in on their own ads <laughs> uh, that they're doing. But um, uh, yeah, so so I think it's I think it's device, I think it's intent, I think it's platform. Um, and, and all of that stuff, in a nutshell, all of that stuff comes from the research that kind of, you know, self-prescription, self that self-diagnosis and prescription in the strategy phase. And so at this point, there should be fewer surprises. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of it, you're just executing so uh, after, on that. After who and where, um, when is also an important thing. Um, I think one of the most accessible, th- back when people used to listen to the radio in the car, they would play like pizza ads mm-hmm. during the, the breaks at rush hour because yep. people are pissed off at rush hour. They're, they don't want to cook when they get home. They're already running late. Yeah. That, yep. Yep. Get some pizza. Um, so when is when can be an important part too? Like I said, like I was talking about before, intent. Like you know, people are going to eat dinner. That you can pretty much bet on that. Um, you know, people are going to buy flowers near Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. People probably aren't in the B two B mindset at nine o'clock at night. True. So just knowing that you're gonna launch your your campaign on, on LinkedIn between the hours of 10 and 11 um, on Wednesdays because that's the day that people reserve for office work. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You, you, you would know that about your audience at the time. Right, you and, and, and I, imagine, I imagine much like LinkedIn overall, like they're their traffic plummets on Saturdays and Sundays. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe keep your ad campaign to Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you've got international customers, don't just set your times based on your time zone. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're, you're you know, allowing for your international customers and in whatever mm-hmm. time zone they may be in too. Um, time of year, time of day, time of week, all those. Time of year is an interesting one too, and this is, I think this is another, it's a little bit more of a B2C example, but like like the whole holiday season, I mean, if you're not running your, if you're not already running your promotions by like November 1st for holiday stuff, you're behind the game, Mm -hmm. which means that you need to start planning that stuff out in July, August, doing it in September, October, launching it in November, run it November, December, uh, I mean that that but working takes backwards if you're if you're a company that helps online retailers there's a b2b so you know that I don't know this in particular but maybe March is the best time to sell because they're already thinking about q4 yeah in March yep we've skipped over a couple unpaid uh, I think it's worth I think it's worth talking a little bit about email as a promotional channel because mm-hmm. depending on the size of your list and the the health of your list, I, I think I'm really just getting at segmenting. Sure. The better segmented your lists are, the more opportunity you've got to use your email list as an unpaid promotional channel. Mm-hmm. Because you can go after, if you've created an anchor video for, let's say, upselling or new sales within existing customers, 
you could create three promo videos for that and know that in the next three email uh, bi-weekly emails that you send out to that uh, to your list you're going to use each of those promos in each of the next three videos now it's probably not worth glossing over that you're using an image of a thumbnail with a play button on it so that people know that it's a video sure. and you're just going to get higher click-through rates when you do that anyway but you don't want to send that out to your master list Right. If it's something that's specifically messaged and, and and again, going back to the manifesto part specific, this is content that you have created specifically for that specific audience. Then why waste sending it out to prospects? Yeah. Right. If it's specifically if it's specifically got messaging for existing customers or former customers. Right? I, it would be weird if I was a prospect, have never used the platform, and I got an email with a video from them that says, we'd love to have you back. I'd be like, you don't know who I am. You should be doing better. Mm -hmm. Like, and the, and the sheer fact that I feel like I got the wrong email might even make me less likely, or more likely to yeah. unsubscribe, You've probably earned, at that point. As a company, you have to earn that trust. Because, yeah. I mean, again, this is unpaid. Of course, you can go out and buy email lists, but that's paid email. This is unpaid. These are people who have given you voluntarily their email address, and you got to keep that trust. So making sure that your message is, is relevant to them and helpful uh, based on time of year, who they are, all the things we said before. Yeah. Where, who. You know, I think email is another great, great place to do some A-B testing also. Before you invest in a paid promotional campaign, you can do some A-B testing and try out different thumbnails, different call to action copy, mm -hmm. um, different supporting copy that you know you're gonna put in the ad, for example, when you run it. Uh, you can use your email list, use run an A-B test to that specific target and see which one gets better click-through rates mm -hmm. and whichever one performs better. I mean, that's a way to save money by going into your paid promotion knowing that you got the data from your email subscribers saying this one got better response. Now, mm -hmm. of course, as with any A-B testing, you've got to have a large enough sample size and, and all those things. But I mean, that's that's a good way to just do some free sure. A-B testing. Um, I feel like between last episode and this episode, we've kind of beat the hashtags on social channel. Um, but you know, if you've got personas and you don't have listed in their personas what hashtags they tend to follow, that's something that's great to add to your persona information. Mm -hmm. um, do you a, follow any hashtags? Yeah, do I you? do. Um, Sometimes I'll click them when I'm interested to see what, like, what else someone yeah. posted about, like tomahawk ribeye. Yeah, it's less. It's less companies. It's more behavioral stuff. Um, you know, like I think I, I follow Who. hashtag. Yeah, Doctor Who drumming uh, cosplay. Uh, you know, some things like that. And so I'll find, um, you've never worn a costume to work. No. You just like admiring the people who do. Yeah. I think it's, I, I don't, I mean, I don't, um, I ascribe to geek culture, but not that much mm -hmm. inwardly. Not <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, I enjoy consuming sci-fi and, and geeky type content, but I don't necessarily feel like I don't like, I've never been to a con. So oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Right, hashtags. Um, hashtags. Now would you hashtag an email? Um, 
I would not hashtag an email, although I think I do follow hashtag email. No, but I do follow different hashtags on LinkedIn than I do on uh, Instagram, for example. So like on LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking more about work. And Mm -hmm. so I'm more interested in, like I follow video, video strategy, Mm -hmm. uh, video marketing, all those kinds of things, because I like to hear what people are talking Mm -hmm. about, just so I'm reminded how smart we are and how dumb everyone else is. Or vice versa, it depends on the day. I think there's about, I've seen about four video strategy hashtags in my life. <laughs> yeah, and three of them are from us. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then on Instagram, it's more like I don't follow hashtag cosplay on LinkedIn, but I follow hashtag cosplay, <laughs> which maybe I should. It would be interesting. But right, that that's it too. So even as you're further developing those personas, maybe by channel, you should be tracking what kind sure. of, right? And, and it's less like what hashtags do they follow, but what are these people interested in? Yep. And then what are the hashtags that serve that mm-hmm. because that's the stuff that shows up in their feed. So if you're hashtagging it properly, then that's more likely to show up in somebody's feed who's interested in what you're doing, which means they're more likely to be a potential customer. Mm-hmm. Any other unpaid promotional avenues? Uh, no, I scratched my head about that before the before the episode, but I don't. I can't come up with anything. I haven't either. But this is this would be one of those moments where I would encourage our audience to uh, point out any unpaid promotional avenues. Again, promoting your video content, not promoting your product. Um, okay, let's jump into some of the paid sure. methods. Sure. Um, now, what's this first one you have on here? It's it's you t- you. Tube. Tube. Yep. YouTube. Okay. But it's one word. That's what threw me off. Yeah. It, maybe it's Yout Ube. <laughs> sit, Ubu, sit. Good dog. Um, YouTube. Uh, I think that is, uh, I mean, because, uh, almost be by its nature of being owned by Google, they have, of course, they've folded YouTube into Google AdWords. Mm-hmm. So you, you launch your campaigns from the same platform that you're launching any of your mm-hmm. PPC campaigns. Um, and and I've mentioned this in previous episodes too, part of the YouTube certification training that was so weird to me is, mm. humble brag, YouTube certification. <laughs> um, I'm not YouTube certified, but I've started uh-huh. the certificate. Like I've, I just realized that it sounds like, you know, when I was getting YouTube certified. <laughs> when um, I was at Harvard, I... Yeah, when I when I started the YouTube certification that I haven't finished yet. Um, one of the weird things about the content is how it's, uh, so the first part of it is for creators. And they talk a lot about creating content that is friendly for your advertisers. Mm-hmm. And so like, like they are just. That doesn't sound like something they would say. It doesn't, which is why it was so weird. Like it is, right? Like television was always, always an advertising platform. Media. Yep. You create the content so that you can sell the ad time, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that that's just what it. It may sound like a cynical view to some people, but that's what it always has been. Right. It's there. It's funded by the commercials. Yeah. And you get this content for free so that you'll watch the commercials. But do you remember the first TV commercial? No. Oh, I know. I don't think you were alive, but I feel like we've talked about this before. It I feel like we just, have to. Uh, I just don't it's remember just what an it was. Image. Yeah, I don't. I gotta look that up again. That was the first TV commercial. We'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah. Um, 
but you know so uh, you know of course for it to be a for-profit venture youtube need, i mean they don't i mean now that they have youtube premium and youtube tv certainly they are making some money off of viewers mm -hmm. but you know most of youtube is still just free and accessible mm -hmm. so of course they make their money off of of advertising and a lot of people have figured out how to make a lot of money off of sharing that monetization but yeah, I mean, I, I think that is one of the easiest go-to platforms. You've got multiple options. Again, who cares what it's called today because it'll be called something different next week. But, you know, you've got your pre-roll ads. Mm -hmm. um, now they're even doing multiple ads <clears throat> before videos play. Especially long videos. Yeah. Um, you've got your five-second ads, which are skippable after five seconds. And as of the recording of this podcast, um, you get basically free advertising up to 30 seconds, I believe. It depends on how you set it up. Well, yeah, that's true. There are so many different ways. So uh, you can skip it after five seconds. You can make it unskippable. Um, Six-second bumper. You can do a six-second bumper. You can do – they've got post-roll ads now. Sometimes they're doing like Mid -roll. these 15-second unskippable ads, 30-second unskippable ads. We've talked before about like how – Purple and a couple of other brands are doing like 30 minute pre-roll ads and they're just engaging enough that you actually don't skip. Like mm -hmm. they're skippable, mm -hmm. right? No one in their right <coughs> mind would put a 30 minute unskippable ad. I don't even think that's an option, but they make these 30 minute long ads that yet somehow are unskippable. Um, we talked a little bit about how you can target specific uh, not just specific demographics and, and you can do a lot with retargeting. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about retargeting. Just for those who don't know. Sure. It's a, it's a fascinating place to play as, a, as an advertiser. If someone's been to your site, you can retarget them in, in that fashion to, like, by a, if they were on a specific landing page about, about your event, you can retarget them, re retarget them with a video that is very specific to that event. You can kind of set a time frame to um, if they've been to these web properties in the past 30 days um, so that might be a competitor or it might be an auxiliary product like if if someone's been to to Mary Kay they're like as an affinity like they're more likely to also buy tampons you know sure um, I don't I... no so, so, yeah talk about what you know <laughs> um, but you know, retargeting, um, if someone's watched a video before, a specific video before, you can retarget them. So there's just a lot of different opportunities to re-engage someone if they haven't actually pulled the trigger, um, if they've been to a competitor site, uh, and so on. Yeah. A um, little bit more about YouTube, um, according to the research I have in front of me here. Um, YouTube advertisers report an average cost per view ranging between 10 cents and 30 cents. Um, I think it's important to note here that almost all paid campaigns are a highest bid auction process. So whether you're running it on YouTube, a social channel, running a programmatic ad, whatever. In fact, if you're watching, like if you're on CNN.com or your local news station uh, and you start to load a video on one of their pages and it's got that like, you know, buffering loading icon. Mm -hmm. It's not actually buffering and, and loading the video that you've selected to play. That's actually giving the ad servers time to instantaneously calculate 
who gets the highest bid based on who's viewing and it figures out which ad to play it pulls that ad and it plays that so anytime you've got that like spinning wheel or or the <clears throat> dial or whatever before a video on any site that has ads it's not a buffering issue it's actually just calculating which ad am i going to play right now and then if that's your ad you get charged for that view on that that reminded me of a really interesting uh preview pre-roll option that youtube rolled out called director is that oh, it yeah. where you can upload pieces like, like yeah it's, it's like an equation yeah if this per if, if the viewer uh, is, is watching this video um about lions or whatever then you're gonna make this bud light commercial with with this picture of a lion and this voiceover and then it'll mix it all together based on that in that exact moment based on that viewer and their their demographics or behavioral data and will ultimately direct that video to be very specific to that viewer. It's kind of like audio stems. And I don't know if audio stems is a metaphor that's more accessible for our listeners. <laughs> um, but it, it's like, it's like a loud, like they could almost call it YouTube remix. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got to upload all of these individual assets, right? You've got to have this library of like, you know, 15, 15 second video clips mm -hmm. and then 15 different calls to or action. 30 different calls to action mm -hmm. with 10 different voiceovers. And then you set certain parameters and then based on what they're watching, who they are, all those kinds of parameters, then it just mixes and matches the right video clip with the right title copy, with the right music, with the right VO, whatever, mm -hmm. and serves you something that is like not personalized, but personal. Pretty, I mean, way more than most. Yes, yes. <clears throat> um, yeah, no, I had forgotten about that. It, it's I'm a sh and in fact, it's either gotten so good that I don't notice it anymore, or it just hasn't caught on as well as I, I, I remember the first ones. I think it was Corona, maybe, or maybe it was Bud Light. I say Bud Light. It was it, definitely it was a beer brand. I think, I think the remix was a beer or something. When you said that, um, yeah, maybe that's where I'm getting that from. Um, Anyway, so this is all about this is all about the bidding process um, once you get into paid ads. So, um, you know, and and oh, and actually here going back to the uh, pre-roll ads, which they currently call in-stream ads, the five-second ads allow the viewer to skip after five seconds, which is what most of us usually see, and you only pay for the ad if the viewer watches thirty seconds or takes action on your video. So anything under 30 seconds is just kind of a brand exposure kind of thing. Now, I think it brings up a, a relevant point that we got to in distribution a little bit also, which is optimize your content for your platforms. Mm -hmm. The same thing is true, for, if not more true, for your promotional stuff because you're paying for your promotional stuff to be seen. So if with a five second skippable ad, with a 30 second ad that's skippable after five seconds, put something branded up in that first five seconds before they can skip so that at least if they skip it, you've got that brand recognition mm -hmm. opportunity. Like that's perfect for Geico who they're just trying to say Geico. Yeah. They don't need you to watch anything. They just want you to remember Geico. Yeah. And they have, they have had some fun with some of their skippable things yeah. where they make you not want to skip it. Yeah. And then they end up having to pay because you end up watching all the way through the 30 seconds or you act on it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this is sometimes I feel like we're, we're too deep into this stuff. This would be a, you know, 
a promotional ad before some other video content where the call to action is takes you to then that landing page of that anchor content so that they can watch the full content uh, in this scenario. So um, I, I suppose you could also direct them to your longer content on YouTube, but I think you're better off putting it on your landing page Bring them into your because that's where you can actually capture their information. Mm -hmm. yep. And then of course the other part of YouTube is those discovery ads, which are basically the thumbnails in the top right. Um, and those are done uh, almost more like standard pay-per-click ads. So those are things that aren't running before or after an ad. They're just going to be topical or behavioral, somehow related to. And it kind of sits, there's a line between it, but it sits like at that next, at the top of the list of like autoplay. Mm -hmm. It's not quite the autoplay stuff, yeah. but it's, it's there so that it gets your attention. And it's, you know, the more you can define your, um, your target audience, the more relevant it's going to be for them, the more likely, mm -hmm. and and the higher your bid. Honestly, I mean, if if you're if you're putting in like a max of ten cents per view, you're less likely to show up than if you're putting in a max bid of thirty cents. But again, that view. that goes to that long tail of specificity, right? That's true. If you're very specific about the content that you're making, then you're on that long tail, and your ads you don't bid for. You've got less competition. Mm -hmm. The long the longer tail search. Uh, do we think people know long tail search? Do they know what we're talking about when we say that? Yeah, I'm confident they're smart enough for. Okay. Yeah. Um, but and then the you know of course the pre-roll ad is is a video that's going to play, but that display ad is you got to optimize the hell out of your thumbnail because mm -hmm. it's not a playing mm -hmm. video. So you got to make a really compelling <coughs> thumbnail that gets someone's attention so that either before they start watching what they intended to watch, or after it before they get distracted by something else, your thumbnail has to be enough for them to want to click on. Mm -hmm. So the longer tail, the higher bids, the better targeting, that's all going to get more relevant content into the your more likely audience. Mm -hmm. That's essentially what promotion all comes down to. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's because it costs money, be smart about it so that you're more likely to get in front of the people who will actually buy or do whatever it is you're trying to get them to do. Okay. What about social channels? I think in this discussion, I tend to kind of lump together Certainly Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, because they're more, I don't know, I, I, it, and I think we run into this a lot too. It's we, we, we tend to mistakenly sometimes rely on our own personal habits. Mm -hmm. uh, like I don't yeah. use Facebook anymore. It's I don't use Twitter. But like our largest audience of followers is actually on Twitter somehow. Yeah. I don't know how. And I've never really gotten Twitter, but like it would be stupid of us to not consider Twitter a platform where we might want to run a, uh, a campaign. So one of the things that we always do in our springboards for our clients is we actually go through and audit their social channels and just see where their viewers are. And mm -hmm. because most of the work we do is in B2B, fortunately, most of their followers end up being on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So for the sake of B2B conversation, I'm gonna set LinkedIn aside. When it comes to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, they're basically all the same. It's the same kind of parameters. You've got the same kind of retargeting opportunities. Um, they tend to cost less. LinkedIn does cost more mm -hmm. than those channels. But again, I think the play, reason probably. is because it's a B2B playground. Is that what you said? B2B play, probably. Oh, B2B play, yes. So, you know, Facebook, it's, and it's just so easy to set up these campaigns. Again, mm -hmm. I think there are future episode or episodes where we can actually walk 
our audience through how to do those and how to set those mm -hmm. parameters. But it's just so easy to do. Like they make them pretty intuitive. Yeah. Um, and then LinkedIn, um, I do set aside because one, it is more expensive, but again, for B2B marketers, that's where your audience is. And that's where, and it's not only where your audience is, but it's where your audience, if they're using LinkedIn, is going for business type stuff. How do I increase my ROI? How do I, you know, find more best practices? I mean, that's the kind of stuff that, like I was saying earlier, I follow different hashtags on LinkedIn than I do on Instagram. I'm, I, mm -hmm. do, I have no expectation that I'm gonna learn anything of value about like video strategy on Instagram, but I I'm, can pretty safely believe that I can learn something interesting when, about it on LinkedIn. When is LinkedIn, like so far, everyone's kind of played by the unspoken rule of keep it to business content. Mm -hmm. When is that gonna be bastardized? Tuesday. Oh, Tuesday. I don't know which one, but it's I'm gonna happen on a Tuesday. I'm just surprised how good people are. I mean, I'm starting to see some people misuse it a little bit. Um, it's just surprising that it I, I mean, I, I don't know that it will. I, I mean, I think people have so many other options. Other options. I imagine there's some really accessible stats about, you know, the what platforms the average person uses. Well, but and and I think they use each platform for different things. Like, I don't use Facebook anymore, largely because once I got on Instagram, I felt like I didn't need kind of the bullshit that Facebook gave me. All I needed was like that non-interactive, like visual touch point with mm -hmm. people, mm -hmm. which is all I really ever wanted out of Facebook anyway, mm -hmm. but Facebook just had all other kinds Groups of and crap attached to it. Yeah. So I haven't been on Facebook in months, and yet I use Instagram multiple times a day. Uh, still haven't figured out Twitter. But I don't even see a whole lot of B2C going on on LinkedIn. like. You, you think that someone who manufactures ties might like would uh, men's big and tall? Is uh, that a store? It's it's a potential sponsor. Um, <laughs> but men's big and tall, not a big and tall store for men. It's just big and tall men. Um, men's big and tall. People in business wear ties and suits, but you don't see that them advertising. Come get our yeah. suit. To come to our suit sale. Yeah, that's true. You know. It's just interesting that it hasn't happened. Talk to me. So I think the, so, you know, there's YouTube, there's LinkedIn. From a B2B standpoint, there's YouTube opportunities, LinkedIn opportunities, there's social opportunities, mm -hmm. just because I'm going to lump everything in, into that group. Um, and then uh, another opportunity is programmatic. Mm -hmm. So like you mentioned Hulu pre-roll. Mm -hmm. um, I just realized recently that, and maybe it just happened recently, but like Amazon Prime Video, I guess, acquired IMDB TV. So I've got shows that are included in Prime that I can watch ad-free, but I can also access a whole bunch of other shows through my Amazon Prime video that are IMDB TV, and then I just have to watch like four one-minute ad sections hmm. where they'll do like a 30-second spot and two 15-second spots. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and that would be something that you would run through a programmatic platform. Mm -hmm. And typically these programmatic platforms are like you have access to dozens if not hundreds of potential platforms yeah so you upload your video ad and it's not just it's not just hulu and prime tv right it's it's, it's cnn.com it's si.com it's, si it's espn it's 
Home and Garden Television, one of my favorite. Yes. Um, it's, yeah, it's sites, it's, um, and, and with some platforms you can actually pick the specific sites. With some of them you can pick categories. But they, are, they do, at least in my experience, most of the programmatic platforms do feel a little bit more general consumer focused mm -hmm. than B2B focused. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I think if you're picking the right, if you're picking the right categories of channels like money and Forbes and Fast Company, CNN Money, those kinds of things, you're probably more likely to get more, you know, the business type people or yeah. professional people. Um, so, so I do think it's more of a general consumer audience. Um, but, you know, one of the first ones that we used uh, is called Brandzooka. And one of the great things about that platform, and I think most of them actually do this now, is as you go through and you make your selections for your promotional campaign, it'll tell you what your estimated reach is. Mm -hmm. So it'll tell you, like, out of 48 million potential viewers, based on these criteria, you will like, and these, you know, bidding standards, you will likely reach with this maximum daily spend for two weeks, 14,000 people. And they don't guarantee that, but like that's a, that's a pretty good way to kind of you know dip your toe in the water for those platforms. Um, and then of course they've got great analytics. Um, and I think it's worth noting too that on those platforms, it's typically more the cost per thousand impressions pricing than the cost per click mm -hmm. pricing. Didn't you just tell me something interesting in that? Yes, I did. Yeah. Not just now. <laughs> oh. No, uh, about NBC? Yes, all NBC-owned affiliates are abandoning ratings as a way to price their ads. And they're moving to CPM, cost oh, right, per yeah. thousand impressions. Yeah. Because they have so many platforms at this point, right? They've got, it's, so it's the local news channel, and they've got their broadcast, which is now usually over cable, satellite, digital, digital an app. They've got their website where they're putting the video stories along. Um, they've got all of these platforms that they're actually able to capture the information and the analytics based on what their actual viewership is. Mm -hmm. So they're able to price out local ads for cost per impressions as opposed to yeah, I mean, they Nielsen ratings or whatever. Analytics and not working off of analog. Yeah, viewer ratings. It's yeah, which were always a projection accurate. anyway. And right. one of the interesting things about it is with local stations, oftentimes if you wanted to get super specific with your like geographical demographics, mm -hmm. um, they were <clears throat> too small a ratings point to really be able to measure. So if you wanted to look at like one zip code in a rural area mm -hmm. because you're the <clears throat> the farm and seed store. Um, you didn't have enough data to know what the actual ratings were in that zip code, whereas now, because it's all digital, they've got actual impressions, and that's what they charge you for. Mm -hmm. And so, like, TV is the last, well, on radio, I guess, but radio doesn't do video. Uh, TV is the last bastion of ratings for setting advertising and promotional prices. Mm -hmm. And now it started, this is the first, NBC is the first big platform to just go strictly to cost per thousand impressions instead of ratings. You know what's interesting, it sounds more and more like uh, promotion as like the, the sixth step of practicing video 
is like the A to or ABM approach. Go it's, on. It's that you know there is, there are, you I know, see. very well defined audience, and you're looking at getting in front of just them. You're not mm-hmm. you're not broadcasting and just spilling the shit everywhere. You're going directly to someone with a very specific message and a very specific intention. And you ask them to do something. And sometimes you can go after actual individuals. Sure. Like if you have email addresses, you yeah. can upload those to LinkedIn. Yeah. And it will target those people. Um, and But sometimes it's just that you have to set all of your parameters properly. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that is interesting. <clears throat> like you're, you you, know you don't necessarily have a list of 100 companies that you're going after, but you've got... You know, you know based on your criteria, you've got a hundred people that you know this is going to be mm-hmm. advertised to, and you know that they're the right fit for who buys your stuff. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, I think that works. What else do we have? Because we're fifty-four minutes and we started recording late, so yeah, um, we have some examples um, of promotional campaigns and suggestions we've made to clients in the past. Um, I, I think, for the sake of time, we'll probably. Just tuck those in the show notes. Yeah, I think we've got case studies on both of them, so we can just link to those case studies. Um, But we have to redact some things. I can't remember. Yeah, I don't know that we have to. Okay. Um, Because we've got them as case studies, so I think we're fine. Um, So we'll link to a couple case studies in the uh, show notes, um, so that you can actually see how we've created anchor content and then created promotional content specifically to drive people to that anchor content. Um, they are slightly different examples, so it's worth looking at them both. One is actually a YouTube channel that we created for a client. So we've got some promotional stuff for the channel, and then we've got promotional content for each episode. So we could run the channel promos and the episode promos as paid promotional pieces, driving people to the YouTube channel to watch the full episode and increase subscriptions. Um, and then the other one was there's an anchor piece of content for an event that was part of an overall campaign to get people to register for an annual event for one of our clients. And we um, specifically created four or five promotional pieces that were kind of like behind the scenes uh, teasers that were that were less value driven and more like fun and engaging so that they would kind of tease people and get them to want to watch then the full video, which was still a very fun video and then get them to actually register for the event. So a couple different approaches there. Um, So we'll put those two things in the uh, show notes. Um, I imagine, again, there's future episodes where we can get into more detail about how to actually run promotional campaigns on a a particular um, platform. And then in our next episode, uh, we will kind of be rounding out this one episode per seven phases. So... Um, the final phase here is uh, analytics, or well, I guess it's analysis, but it's really looking into analytics. We're not just going to be talking about analytics. We're going to be talking about the different types of analytics. We're going to talk about uh, kind of viewer analytics, uh, vanity analytics versus like value analytics. Um, so there's, there's all those kinds of things that like some platforms are willing to give you, but then more advanced platforms are willing to give you much more valuable information um, that actually goes to ROI and user behavior. I think, and, and th- yeah, the integrations and yeah. such are so valuable. Um, and, and I think a big part of our conversation is going to be about the insights because numbers only show you so much. And so I think we'll get into a little bit about what certain analytics mean. Um, and that'll round out uh, our discussion on the seven phases. So I imagine sometime in the next couple of weeks, we'll have to figure out what our next slate of episodes yeah, we will gotta, be. 
Big surprise coming on episode 15. Yeah, that's. I'm really looking forward to uh, figuring out what episode 15 is. <laughs> um, More of a surprise for us. Yes, but I do hope that you've enjoyed our penultimate episode in this series of uh, the seven phases of practicing effective video for business. Um, we sure appreciate you all listening. And uh, I think it's time for a quick closing word from our sponsor. Yeah, let's all right. It. Let's see. Our sponsor today, of course, Wilfred Brimley's Mustache Wax for that full-bodied elderly walrus stash. Simultaneously thickens your mustache to push broom consistency, dyes it an irreversible snow-white color regardless of your natural hair color, and instantly grows your whiskers just long enough to cover your upper and lower lip, even while talking. Wilfred Brimley's Mustache Wax. Pick up a tin or ten at your favorite mustachery today. Disclaimer, this product has not been approved or tested by the FDA. However, early reported side effects include constant smells of oatmeal, even when no oatmeal is around, curing diabetes, or possibly early onset diabetes. By listening to this advertisement, you hereby waive any and all right to legal recourse for any side effects experienced while using Wilford Brimley's Mustache Wax. Wilford Brimley's Mustache Wax. Be more curmudgeonly. Does it come with a shotgun? If you buy 10 tins? I think people just start handing you shotguns. Like, they're like, Wilford Brimley's Mustache Wax? You're like, yep. And they just, like, hand you a shotgun. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, All right. Well, that concludes this episode of the Video Reformation. We look forward to tickling your ears next time. And, uh, yeah. I think it's time for outro banter. Okay. Cue the outro banter. Yes. Ah, the outro. Anthony, give me a topic. Phonetic alphabet? Okay. Uh. Bleh. Good. Eh. Good. Uh-huh.